Can you believe it's hump day, Tristan? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. You're back at the comics table. How the hell have you been? I have been very tired. You're tired. You're living a whole life, and you're making this podcast fit into your schedule. Yep. And now we're in Ripley Greer Studios again. In New York City, the capital of America. The capital of America, and there are... Once again, many nervous actors outside. It smells like nervous shit yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you got the nervous poops out there. That's a that's a, uh, a acapella band that's yeah. practicing the that's nervous right. poops. Uh, there is actually a room, like a whole hallway full of beautiful African Americans who are auditioning for some role uh, that must be a, a movie that requires that specific ethnicity because everyone's beautiful, men, women. It's a whole thing out there. Well, that was way too PC to get started. <laughs> way too PC. You, uh, they're they're the physical opposite of you. Like I'm very white, <laughs> but you're like transparent. Yes, I'm transparent. You're yeah. the whitest person. I'm white. I did uh, ancestry DNA, yeah. and it was all it was 100 percent European. I think there was like one percent not European. It was Caucasus. <laughs> what the hell is that? I, That's an island of whitey. <laughs> The Isle of Caucasus. We've got we've got a guest. We've today, got a guest. Oh, everybody. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. Okay, who's this? Here's the thing. We've got an A-lister in the room. I'm we're very not, excited. We're not going to make him suffer through our bullshit. No, we won't. I'm a big fan, actually. Huge fan. Yeah. Uh, we're so lucky today to have Mark Norman. Mark Norman. Oh, hey, come on. Thanks for having me. Thank, I, you, thank for you for making coming time on for us. Yeah. I gotta say, you uh, you guys have the studio. You're right in the in the movie fame. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it feels. It's like the la 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 la. Yeah. I looked at another room. Yeah. And it was a bunch of hot chicks doing ballet. Then this is like all the all black. The Wiz. Yeah, their yeah. their uh, their logo here is the start of Broadway. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You know, after the beginning the, of Broadway. After the pod, if we have time, we should go up to the 16th floor where you check in. There's a step and repeat banner where you step. There's lighting on it right in the elevator bank that says Ripley Greer Studios. Maybe we go there. We do jazz hands for a selfie Ooh. before everybody's got to take off. I'm that's down with that. That's Sounds great. A nice jazz hands. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm think of that. all the dreams that get broken here, though. Like, think it. So many. Have so you ever many. seen a child actor audition environment? Yes. That must be sad. It ain't pretty. The only thing worse than that is the girl pageant, like the little mm. girls, where you're like, oh, you guys are knee deep in this, and you have no idea what how gross this is. And this is going to lead to something awful. Yeah. Like, and the parents are the worst part, because they're like, you know, their whole life is riding on this six-year-old trying to like look sexy yeah 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 that's like a weird it's a weird perversion version perversion version of a mm. like a little league dad you know like baseball mm. dads are mm-hmm. insane mm-hmm. yeah at least the kids learning some character and and you know hustle yeah, yeah. But th- it, these girls just like look i gotta be prettier no one cares yeah it's literally just i was in a about- fashion show when i was a kid you were in yeah. one, really? Yeah. At what, a, was, at a, what was it for? Like, I, was, needs. I don't know. What, I don't even remember. It was at an old folks' home. <laughs> wow. I was I was modeling. Uh, That's what we call a pedophile yeah. ring. Yeah. That's Are right. you sure you were yeah. human trafficked? Either that, or I was being human trafficked. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. It's very hazy. It's very hazy. Wait, an old folks' home fashion yeah. show, but you were a child. So these child. old folks are looking at fashions that they can no longer wear. Well, yeah, there was there was other people in it. They're like adults, but I was doing like the little kid. I I was handsome once upon a time. What, what state? What state was this in? New, New Jersey. What, what's the age of consent there? Um, I think Seventeen. Th- I think seven. Yeah. Mark's got a crib sheet. He's got yep. the ages of consent. <laughs> uh, I had to look it up once for a joke. Yeah. Yeah, you seem like a researcher when it comes to jokes. Oh yeah, you got to make sure the joke is accurate, and you got to make sure no one else has done it. Yeah. Get the facts. Mm-hmm. Everybody's. I feel like everybody's done it. 
No, there's yeah. original shit out there. Yeah. People always say this, that it's all been done. That's not true. You can find stuff. Yeah. Was Pulp Fiction done before Pulp Fiction? You know what I mean? Yeah. Was there a guy getting raped well, after a diner scene sort, that was out of order? Sort of, that was, no, know. no, but sort of. Basically, it took a lot of things that were pre-existing, like, like mm. it, you know, and then put them. That's what original is, I think, now is you take things that did exist at one point uh-huh. and you put it together in your own way. That's like a totally new way of doing it. You're right. like a, you're like a the, mashup DJ is what you're saying. Yeah, sort of. Sort that's of. true. I, I think you're right. But there is new stuff, I think. Yeah. Like uh, Jimmy Neutron. You know, that wasn't around That's in an the exa- SpongeBob SquarePants. There you go. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep yeah. Earthworm Jim. There we go. Those are very original. Uh, yes. I mean, the Jetsons sort of paved the way for that genre, I think, right? Mm, yeah. Cartoons Maybe. about... Everybody's paving a way for something, I guess. Or, or, or weren't the Flintstones like the original, like, uh, yeah, primetime cartoon? That was cartoon. the Honeymooners. That's the, based on the Honeymooners. Oh, yeah. 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 That makes a lot Pre-store of sense. Prehistoric Honeymooners. Yeah. Well, I you know what? I'm glad we're all here to strap in for comedy history class with Mark Norman, professor. <laughs> what is uh, the theme here? Uh, well, this is the comics table. You know, basically, look, the deal is, uh, you know, when you go and you do a comedy show or whatever, generally, uh, afterwards, you know, you go and you hang out with sure. uh, other comedians, maybe friends, and maybe you talk about uh, the, the show and maybe you talk about your set or maybe you just talk about just bullshit. And that's pretty much, I think that's probably the best way to describe okay. what we're doing here. Yeah, like most clubs, most rooms, most good bar shows have a specific area for the comics to sit. So we're trying to create that vibe. Uh, that's, a, that's a little bit easier because you're riding the high of like your mm. set. Right now, I'm just, I'm riding the low of just getting off of work. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's like, I'm try- it's like, get your brain in it, Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's a, here's there a are po- lows after a set too. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, have you had, had any... Rough lows I lately. bombed last night. I did five sets. The f- everything was killing. The fifth set, it was train wreck. Mm. Did you? Was it the f- kind of fifth set where you're like, I'll get one more? Did you have a choice or did you have to That's, do it? It's funny you asked. Uh, I had uh, I had four sets in, and this last set was like out of the way. I had to take a cab to get there. It was unpaid. It was in the middle of nowhere. There was four people there, and I was like, fuck it. Be a good comic. Go to this set. You're not above anything. Come on. And I bombed so bad. I was like, that was, I paid to hate myself. Yeah. And that was a big waste of time. I got nothing done and I had to sit around forever. And I got home This is where I'm so curious about like self-esteem issues for performers and comics. And and you in particular, I I mean, I have to say, like I listened to your podcast, the the topic of self-esteem and that kind of stuff comes up quite a lot. Anxiety. So a sentence you just said was, I'm not I'm not above be a good comic I'm not above anything. Mm-hmm. Some of us observing from below might say Mark Norman is above a four person audience bar show out whatever neighborhood you went to. Uh-huh. You are Although above that. The, I think the moment that you have the the attitude that you're above something then you're kind of you're you're heading into a bad direction I I feel. I think that's there's some truth to both like Louis CK he knows he's a brilliant guy. He's yeah. aware of this. I've opened for him a bunch. But I would, after his big arena show, I'd be like, I'm going to go to an open mic. He'd say, I'm going with you. Yeah. And that was it. So he's above it. What fucking open mic was he going We did an open <laughs> mic in D.C. and it got written up in the newspaper well, after. <laughs> oh, so actually what's funny, so this is called the Comics Table. That's where you and I met. I met you at the Comics Table of uh, that bar. What the hell? The Big Hunt. Yeah, uh, that was guys, it. Yeah, you guys were hanging out. You wanted to sign the table. I happened to have a Sharpie on me. I pass it on to you, and you guys signed the table. There you go. That was the comics table of the Big Hunt, and that was an exciting night. And, yes. And that was cool to fucking see you and Joe and Louie 
come in and do sets and uh-huh. then sort of disappear into the night afterward. It yeah. was so exciting for all of us comics who just want to be around you guys, and you it, w- it was really special. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm not criticizing you for doing that show last night, but... Uh, <laughs> I just wonder. I just wonder. So it sounds like your motives are the 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 sentence. I'm I'm not above it. It sounds like your motive is just to keep keep working hard and get out there. Yes. And then the guilt factor in my head is so bad. Like if I would have skipped that show, I would just be like, "Who the fuck do you think you are skipping a show? What are you critic? This comedy's hard. You got to work at it. You piece of shit. You got an easy job. You love your job. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. But you ever have like a bad show, but you still enjoy the experience? Uh, mm, I don't know. When I bomb, I take it pretty hard. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, uh, I went to, I was doing the road, and I, I went to this place in the middle of nowhere in Indiana, mm-hmm. and uh, they, it was, a, it was like a three hundred person town, and they have a show once a year, a comedy show once a year, and everybody from the town comes, and there's nothing but like corn for like thirty, forty five miles in every direction. The band, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just nothing but the band corn uh-huh. everywhere, but uh. The, uh and so it was like this huge room. It was just a giant room. Everybody's sitting at these tables. and But they were like pure red state, you know, kind of people. So I had like just was doing like a 10-minute spot. I get up there, and it's going well at first. But then I start doing some political jokes. And instantly they're like, no, no, and just start yeah. like checking out. And, I mean, I, I, I would get them a little bit, and then and then I'd lose them again. Yeah. And basically it was it was a bomb. You know, like the there was people that started talking in the back. You know, that's, you know, that's when it's really going in a bad direction. Uh-huh. And uh, after the, after my set, I was feeling really bad, but it was it was such a weird pl- place. It was so interesting. I'd never been to a place like that before. And then I played some girl in a wheelchair pool and got my ass kicked and got really drunk. It was, it was, it was oh, a fun night. See, that's interesting. You yeah. had an experience. Yeah, you yeah. turned your bomb into a life experience for self-betterment. Right, and in some ways that was like one of the most fun experiences I had that week, I even think though you, it was probably the worst set I did. I right. think you got a big problem on your hands if you start turning every bomb into that. Right. You start it's justifying like it's just a bombs. life experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to see my friends Chris and Joe, so that's fine. That's a good point. Mark, uh, where'd you grow up, man? Grew up in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Born oh, and raised. Oh, yeah. out, right outside the French Quarter. Okay, so that's why. Like, you've already had all the experiences already, right? So it's uh, it's going to be kind of hard to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I lost my virginity to a prostitute. Uh, I got <laughs> I got robbed all the time. I grew up in a black neighborhood in a mansion. It was a, it was really? a weird upbringing. My parents bought a mansion in a horrible neighborhood, and it was dilapidated, like no running water. We had a pigeon in the front room, termites. It was really bad. Like a lot of like a s- extension cords going from room to room because not everything had power. And uh, so they started fixing it up. We got robbed a lot because everybody just assumed, hey, the White family bought a mansion. They mm. must be loaded. So we got robbed all the time. I walked in on a few robberies. Jesus. Uh, parents got held up at gunpoint, tied up at one point. Holy shit. Oh, it was man. really bad. Uh, upbringing, and then my parents started running out of money fixing this house, so they made the back half into a bed and breakfast. So now, before school, we're eating breakfast with ten like these guests, like Strangers. Chinese businessmen and traveling musicians. So it was a weird uh, childhood. Also, we had a, a transgender nanny, wow, uh, named Enos, who was this giant black guy who would wear a wig and high heels and like sweep up. And he like taught me like how to fight and stuff. Wow! And uh, uh, did it ever come up how clo- how has name rhymed with or her name rhymed with penis? Sure, I mean, <laughs> that was quite popular around the just, house. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like I got my bike stolen by these kids once, and uh, Enos was like, "Get in the van." We drove around the neighborhood until he found my bike, and he like challenged these kids, and they gave the bike back. 
Wow, that that's like the most charming, like real version of Mrs. Doubtfire I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you just not become? Did you just learn to not become attached to any material things because they were going to get stolen? Maybe. Yeah, I, I have uh, attachment issues. Yeah, and I, I can't sleep, and I was also a bedwetter. I, I had a weird. Uh, I was a bedwetter. Weird, oh yeah, I'll, I'll just share that so that you Good. feel comfortable sharing. You guys about to yeah. bond on the bedwet. Yes. Yeah, we just pounded, fist pounded on. It on builds that. character. Yeah, you can, you learn how to use a washing machine quick. You realize, you know, life ain't perfect. I'm I'm wet in the bed at sleepovers. Yes. I'm like doing laundry at two in the morning, hoping they don't wake up in yes. a stranger's home using their washing machine. It's like an eight year old. What I learned about it is uh, the power of lying and people just going with the lie. Like not get. I always thought I was getting away with like, oh no, I just sweat a lot. I said I would say at sleepovers, I just sweat a lot when I sleep, mm. and they would accept that as truth. Now, as an adult, I realized they were just accepting that so that I didn't yeah. feel embarrassed. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think about bedwetting in terms of lying and, uh, like, just being full of shit. Yes. Uh, the only way I can relate is is being a bedcomer when I was a teenager. <laughs> a wet dream. Well, yeah. no, no. Like, literally, I'd jerk off and then, like, not know what to do about it. So I'd just come on my sheets and then wash them. And then my mom was like, why are you washing your sheets literally every day? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You could, you, you yeah, I just sweat a lot. See, I, I, I was I figured out the Kleenex uh, situation pretty pretty quick. That never worked that. for me. That never worked for me. Just huge loads. Yeah, just I'm a big yeah, big, a big loader. Yeah, uh, well, uh, washing you, loads and shooting loads. <laughs> did you also uh, have plastic sheets for that? No, no, not. that's a lot of. Gum. Did you have that's, plastic sheets? Yeah. See, that's I tough have sleeping on that. I would think you get used to it. Yeah, yeah the sound so the crinkly. crinkly. Yeah, yeah, it's like sleeping in a fucking Kit Kat wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. I get anxiety when I think of, like, not anxiety. I have shame when I think of the specifics of like the plastic sheet because I probably was doing it into like fourth or fifth grade, maybe maybe a little longer. Mm. I don't know. It's like embarrassing. Yeah, I was fourteen, probably thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, I wet the bed on a like in college. I would get drunk and wet the bed like on blackouts. Yep. and I peed on like a lot of one night stands. Yeah. And no wonder they were only one night stands. You didn't see them again. After. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like give them wrote flowers and shit the next day. I'd well, here's some people that get drunk and then they shit. You know, they shit the right? bed or you know, yeah, yeah. yeah that's wow. Yeah. I've never been that drunk. I don't think I woke up one night after a huge college rager. It was a bunch of us all sleeping in my dorm room, uh, and my brother was in town. And uh, I woke up to the sound of what sounded like rain on a tent, like camping. Uh-huh. I wake up and I see my brother standing over his best friend in the whole world, just pissing all over this guy's sleeping bag. Like on purpose? No, he, he was blacked out. He had no idea where he was or what he was doing. I'd scream out. I'm like, dude, it's not the fucking bathroom's down the hall. He wakes up. He's like, oh, I, I, I'm in the bathroom. Just had no Whoa. clue. Literally his best friend that he's just saturating your best friend's just jerking off Love yeah it. yeah got a huge kink now. It, yeah it turned into a whole thing yeah. yeah wow uh i got a question for you you had such an amazing childhood with such uh colorful characters mm. uh alternative reality in general uh but you i i can't think of many autobiographical stories or jokes of yours that that like it's a lot of your material is a lot of like outward looking stuff yeah that's a good good observation there i think uh my therapist will tell you it's just again it's the low self-esteem who's who cares about me yeah let me just talk about the world and stuff we can all relate to and uh so social commentary because i don't if i talk about me i feel like they'll check out yeah interesting and also a lot of the guys i grew up listening to like carlin 
or Seinfeld or Chris Rock. There wasn't a lot of like childhood stuff. You don't yeah. really hear about Carlin like talking about when he was a kid and mm-hmm. Spanish Harlem or whatever the hell. Well, you know, you also have a very unique presentation. Mm. Like the way you talk in general is very uh, like enunciated in general. Uh-huh. But I think especially when you're on stage, it almost sounds like a 1920, you know, like sure. a little bit, like yeah. a little bit like uh, – and that kind of matches the presentation of like I'm talking about outward stuff. I'm not necessarily talking about myself. I'm talking about, you know, I mean that's just the way I've observed like it's it. A, yeah. you're, you're saying maybe it's a physical manifestation of him wanting to get even further away from. Not necessarily, being, just like that. That that's the way you're comfortable. You know, maybe like just doing what you do. Like, I, I think you got something there. I hope you don't mind. We just like really pick apart please, what please, we think is going on with I you. Mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. Do you, do you ever, if you, I mean, has anybody said that to you before or not really? What's that? The voice? Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. Okay. I get that all the time. Yeah. Like, am I being an asshole right no, now? No, please. I, I, you know, I, I'm from the South. So people are always like, why don't you sound Southern? And I, I, I hate the Southern accent. Mm. So I think as a kid, I you intentionally yeah. got like, didn't want it. And, uh, Did your parents have an uh, like? Oh a, yeah, my dad's born and raised Louisiana. He's like got Creole kind of little Creole, yeah. like how y'all doing? Mm, all yeah. that. And uh, I, I didn't want it. And also, I told my mom I liked comedy when I was like six, and she's like, "Oh, you like comedy? I'll hook you up." And she <laughs> gave me a stack of Marx Brother DVDs. <laughs> like that was her hip modern comedy. I, I was like, "How about some Bill Murray?" Well, that, or that something. makes a lot of sense though, because yeah. that's that presentation, right? Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. And Groucho is still my number one to this day. Nice. I like his whole, he's got the whole thing. He's got like the physical funny. He's got jokes. He talks funny. He's anti-establishment, you know. So that was a big one for me. Don't they play kid. those old kind of movies at uh, on the wall in uh, the comedy cellar upstairs? Yeah, in the well, that's, that's more Chaplin. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's silent, which is good. You don't have to hear it. So uh, Groucho would all, you know, you need those jokes. You always got to hear it. Yeah. What What is that? So you, you told your mom you were into comedy. What? made you say that to her at all before she gave you the dvds uh i don't know i was as a kid i was always into something it was comedy or was i was huge into skateboarding like my Mm. whole wall was just covered in skate photos and i watched skate videos all day every day it was like my whole life we built a mini ramp in my backyard uh so comedy was huge skateboarding was huge and then i just became like a crazy drunk and like you know you're drunk when like for your birthday everybody's getting you like a poster that says you know, uh, <laughs> too college to drunk or whatever yeah. that phrase was. And, uh, you know, like that was my whole life was just boozing. And uh, so I got in like the big, the bar scene yeah. and I quit comedy lo- loving and I quit, uh, you know, skateboarding. But as a kid, comedy was like always there, even as I was the class clown. Yeah. And even whenever someone else would be funny in class and I got a big laugh, I remember even thinking before I knew anything about comedy, I'd be like, that was hacky. Yeah. That's easy. <laughs> it's an easy joke. Yeah. Yeah. You suck. You have no integrity. Um, but, uh, yeah, so comedy was always, always constant. Like, I've quit skateboarding, obviously, since then. I'm 34. You know, we had Sean Donnelly in here, and he was a skateboarder. Yeah. Yeah, hard to believe. Yeah. He looks like the guy's like, get out of my store! (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm going through, like, a ridiculous midlife crisis where I never really skateboard. Like, I had a skateboard, but it was, like, a horrible Kmart skateboard that you couldn't actually do anything with. With the plastic wheels. And then, yeah, and then this past year, I just bought one of the boosted boards, so I'm like... Cruise around New York City on an electric skateboard that goes like 22 miles an hour, like probably going to kill myself. Yeah. And, uh, uh, just total poser. Like none of the none of the skate cred that goes with it at all. Uh-huh. You know? It's a longboard. Yeah, it's a but, longboard, oh. but it's also it's electric. You don't have to you don't have to do like the 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 pushing and the, you can't really. I mean, you could do tricks if you were good with it. But uh, like if I'm Sean not. Donnelly were to get a skateboard again, he right. would have to get this one. 
Right. Well, you know, you know, if it it depends, you know, like it can barely support my carriage. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a it's a it's a gentle it's a gentle board. It's the Cadillac yeah. of skateboards. It is kind of. Yeah. And it's electric. I mean, come on, man. Well, I get around I get around the city super fast. I bet. Which is great. But Do you have it here? I didn't bring it because okay. I'm lugging a, a huge suitcase full of uh, equipment that we're talking on now. Oh, got it. Well, yeah. better than we're talking into the skateboard. Like, yeah, if I had that and myself, I'd probably snap the board. It's, really? Well, because it's, it's, it's just a, re- it's a regular long board, but it's got like some hardware attached to the underside of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it has enough of the middle to open, so you still oh, get the bounce and everything. The bounce, yeah. But it, it's, it can take about 200 max weight, and I'm... About two hundred pounds. Okay. Yeah. So if I if I had like another fifty pounds of a bag, it'd probably hit a bump and go. Yeah, yeah it'd yeah. really screw up your center of gravity and and really be a messy messy death if you right. died. I, I got hit by a car this summer. Oh, look at uh, that! Like bang bang myself up. Still trying to. Yeah, you're, you're, you got to get rid of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going totally fine. Everything was good. But people don't see you. They just like turn right into you. And yep. you know? We're finally making headway on this podcast. We're getting good guests. We're having a good time. People are listening. And you're going to fucking kill yourself and kill all of our momentum. Yeah, well, I'm sure people really just tune in to, to imagine your hair. Well, I think Great they hair. tune in yeah. to make Great sure you're hair. still with us. Yeah. Uh, the hair, it's, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with it today. I think I put too much product in it. I don't like the way this wave is it's looking, looking up it's front. Looking, it's always looking great, Patrick. I think the wave is killing. I don't, my hair is like going away. Like I can't. Is it's mm. going so fast? I'm well, gonna have to get to the buzz pretty soon. You know what you look like? What's that? The uh, the movie The Professional. The uh, the the uh, the sniper. The sniper. You got the same snip. Yeah, the crow's peak. Is the crow's, that with the glass, the round yeah. glasses. Right. Yeah. And I'm a creep. And that, a creep. Yeah. And I think th- you want to fuck Natalie Portman. <laughs> oh yeah. well, who doesn't though? Yeah. yeah. You know that. Oh, I know exactly. He's the French guy. Yeah, the French guy. I was just gonna yeah. say. I think he's a famous yeah. French actor. He was in. He was in the the te- the uh, the Roland Emmerich uh, Godzilla movie. Yeah, Jean Reno. Yes, that's his name. Yes. Wow, you guys are like a IMDb duo over I here. Was, I went to film school. Yeah. Big movie fag. Nice. <laughs> uh, I that era Natalie Portman. I saw her play uh, fucking Upscotch. what's her face. She hid in the attic during World <laughs> War Frank. II. And Frank, I saw her play Anne Frank on Broadway in a Whoa. high school high school field trip to New York City. That's a quite a comedy, right? <laughs> yeah. When's the first time you came to, to New York, Mark? Uh, I came uh, with my parents on a like a family trip, probably in like uh, I was twenty one or twenty two. Oh, something really? Like that. So yeah. late, later on, yeah. And, and you're then, already jamming on uh, stand up at that point? No, no. And then I uh, I moved here for film school in like oh six, and I was doing open mics at night and liking that more than the film school. Yeah, actors suck. Yeah, and uh, film school was still school, but I love living in New York. And I was doing open mics at night, and that was fun. Then I moved. School ended. I moved back to New Orleans, and I was just depressed. I was like, "Why am I so depressed?" And it was because I missed New York and I missed stand up. Mm. So I started getting a stand up in New Orleans, and uh, just fell in love with it. And like, What's made that scene there? There's no scene. There's a scene now. But when I was a kid, it was nothing. It was like one open mic a week, maybe. It got canceled all the time. They need to drive two hours to another show, maybe do an open mic here if you got lucky. And it was tough. You get up nothing, and I wanted to get up more. And my friend said, I'm moving to New York, and I said, I'm going with you. I know the city a little bit, and uh, that was it. Who was, who was that? Uh, Sean Patton. And he's still he's killing, killing it. it. He yeah. was like the guy in, in New Orleans. That's great. And uh, I, it was a horrible transition. I moved up here with Zach Sims, mm-hmm. who's a, uh, another funny comedian. He's uh, since moved to L.A., 
But uh, it was I got mugged three times in a year. We lived in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, like way mm-hmm. out, and it was mm-hmm. still dicey. We got yelled at all the time, like you're on the wrong side, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of that shit. And uh, these Jew, it was a uh, Eastern Parkway was this highway. I don't know if you ever been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one side is all Hasidic Jew, one side's all Caribbean black. I lived yeah. on the black side. And uh, these Jews would drive up at like 5 a.m. I'd be like stumbling down the street drunk a lot and like 5 in the morning. And they'd pull up in a minivan and they'd go, hey, what are you doing? You're on the wrong side. Get in. And yeah. I'd go, well, I'm not Jewish. And they would slide that door closed and peel <laughs> off every time. Uh, you know, I love listening to your stuff about race. Your, your Colbert set, I've sent that to so many people oh, with the, the PC 911 phone call. It's so fucking funny. And uh, a lot. What sucks is in 2017, a lot of people might say, "Why is this guy con- like? It's not his place to comment on yeah, race." I never get that. I'm a I'm a race. Yeah, right, you know, I'm right. a white. I'm a white person. Yeah. And and black people or Asians or Mexicans, they exist. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about toothbrushes too. Yeah. I, I don't see it as this racial thing. It's right. just there. There it exists. So it's part of comedy. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's fodder. And also, like now hearing about the house you grew up in, yeah. and now those neighborhoods you grew up in, it's like you have actually way more authority than some of these people might give you credit for. Which is, how often are you annoyed by all that shit? Uh. Every about eight seconds, yeah. it yeah, drives yeah. me crazy, and it's so hypocritical. And, you know, anytime the same person who says you can't define someone by their race, sexual orientation, gender, are the same people who are like, hey, you're a straight white male. I'm like, that's exactly what you said not right. to do. You're doing right. it to me. Yeah. But if you're white, it's okay. It's all such bullshit. You're like, it's the same people who are like, hey, they're, they're, uh, they're against – Toler intolerance by being intolerant, yeah. you know, and it's all such bullshit. And they think they're heroes, and it really uh, grosses me out. There's there's a lot of problems going on right now, and there's a lot of bad people, and there's a lot of good people. But uh, I think everybody's so off with their message; they don't even know what they're doing. I feel yeah. like people feel like they need to have like a purpose or a meaning. Yes, you know, they, I used to. Yes, I lived in Seattle for four years, which was like a great. I, I loved Seattle; it was yeah. like a really cool city. But there were so many people that I knew that were like kind of what I would call like the activist types where it was like literally if there was any kind of activist or activist kind of cause, they would get right into it without even knowing what it's about yes, or anything. Yes, it was just exactly. like, I gotta, I gotta stand for something that's, that's saying that it's not part of the system. But like a lot of times these were organizations that were just like really funneling money from people into their own pockets and stuff like that. Right. And the people would work for them because they'd say, Oh, I'm saving the trees. And it's like, no, you're just, you're giving a lot of money to Hank over there. Yeah. And that's, that's really all you're doing. That's it. But and- they didn't, they didn't know because they wouldn't look they wouldn't look deep into it you yeah. know they just wanted to be part of something yeah. and everything is in the guise of i'm i'm good i'm better than you but it's actually you're you seem like you seem like a hero but you're actually the villain yeah. you know yeah. you're you're you hate hateful people you're doing the same thing you're exactly the same like i did a show recently in canada and i did it in toronto and toronto's a cool city it's like a mishmash of all these other cities and i was like toronto's cool it's like if la raped new york mm. and this lady tweeted at me and goes opening with a rape joke how offensive and I was like, it's two cities, you cunt. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You're looking for something to be offended by. This is zero offensive at all. There's nothing wrong with that sentence. And she goes, well, it's offensive to women. And I was like, well, what about the men who get raped? Yeah. That doesn't, that's not a thing. It's only the women. So wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Now tell me about that. Like you've got to now like publicly defend yourself yes. sometimes. Do yes. You, so you, do you engage when those I, things come I your way? I do and I shouldn't because she's obviously a fucking retard and a crazy person. And this that's is the offensive o- for you to use that. I know, I know. <laughs> but it's the only way 
she gets any juices if I talk back, right. and I shouldn't, but I, I just I, I have reason and I'm yeah. rational, and I want to just shake her by the shoulders and go, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And I want her to go, "You're right, I'm alone. I was yeah. touched as a kid. I hate myself. <laughs> that's all I want. Just, just tell me you're a fucking idiot." Yeah, but it, you know that's never gonna happen. Do you ever? Do you, I mean, the, I see the worst I see of it is like Facebook. I don't know how much time you spend uh, on there. Uh, I had but, to give it up. Oh man, it's just like the moment like anything happens in the world, every like everyone's like. Oh, there's this obvious thing like, hey, uh, I, I don't care what anybody, my friends think. Um, I don't think you should kill black people. Like, I'm just <laughs> against it. I don't care if you don't th- if you don't agree right, with me, unfriend right. me. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's like, wow, that's so bold of you. I know it's uh, it's embarrassing. So you you shitty. literally got rid of it. Like no, Facebook? no, I just don't. I don't really like. I use it for messaging, and yeah. I'll like say happy birthday. But I, I don't. I used to just sit there and read it all. Yeah, and your whole day is gone. Yeah, I'm like what am I doing? This is a waste of time. Because I actually would love to hear like is and is that working for you to kind of? It helps, yeah. Because yeah. it's all bullshit. It all goes away once this thing happens, and that's that's how we talk about. It. Then another thing happens. That's all we talk yeah. about. It just keeps moving. Nothing gets solved. Nothing gets changed. Yeah. Because I'd be curious to hear like what works for you as uh, a working comic. Like what works for, to keep like your mind on track with what you're doing uh like i don't know just like what are some simple do's and don'ts that come to mind when you think of like how to fucking because because as comics we have to be our own manager agent ceo etc so when you're wearing all those different hats how do you not fucking lose your mind in this it's really hard and you got to be comical about it and you got to realize how stupid it is like louis again is you know like a wise sage Yes, he jerked off on me, but uh, <laughs> but he. Um, All wise sages do, though. That's part yeah, of the whole thing. I am right now, actually. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> but he had a great point. Is um, we were doing these the- these arenas, and it was like selling out five thousand. He did ten five thousand seaters, and then we did this open mic, and the open mic got written up in the paper. Mm. And he's like, "You see, this is this is it. this proves everything. This shows that these hipster guys." Have more. They, there's 30 people at this open mic, and they get it all out there. But these these 15 or 20 thousand people who came to my show, that was never in the paper. But these kids have a bigger voice, mm. and so whenever somebody calls you a racist or a homophobe or whatever, it's just these 30 people. That's right. not the world. Right. The world is that arena. Like Spe- mm-hmm. speaking of arena, though, like does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. Yeah. So I I saw Louis perform at uh, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And. Um, I think it's awesome that he can do that and do that sell it out kind of seemingly whenever he wants to, it seems like. However, it seems like the just absolute wrong venue for comedy oh, to me. Oh, it's totally off. Like yeah. any, any, any of those really big venues, it's like, to me, comedy is kind of like more of an intimate kind of, of experience, course, yeah. right? That's I why it's... I love like The Cellar or, right. or in t- uh, I like The Stand. I think that's another good one. Mm-hmm. New York Comedy Club. They're just like a little bit like of a smaller feeling to, to their main rooms. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely better for comedy. I think the, the, the MSG is like a money grab. It's an ego thing. You want to say you've done it. You said you fill it up. Uh, yeah, if you've done, I mean, that's like an amazing achievement in, in life, I guess, if, yeah. you know, if, if, if you're able to do something like that. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of, it was weird because it was almost like, it was almost like just 20 po- comedy clubs, like all, because you, because you could only hear the people that were enjoying it in like your yes, kind of concentric yes. area. Um, and then you're like, and it was so surreal. Really well, so we tiny. went, we went to that show together and it was so yeah, surreal yeah, yeah. to walk in and Mike Lawrence is on stage doing his act. The lights are half up. But he's doing his act like it's a dream come true for Mike sure. Lawrence, of course. But like we're all fucking still sitting. You know, there's like probably four thousand people still finding their seats. Oh, that's it's funny. just so weird. Yeah, I've done know? that before. Uh, all right, so but yeah, the race stuff drives me crazy, and it's all yeah. hypocrisy. And and you notice this is one last thing I'll say about it because I can yeah. I can rail all day. But uh, 
You know how like a lot of people who hate gays and are very outwardly homophobic tend yeah. to be gay? Yes. I think the same thing applies for these super progressive wackos, social yeah. justice nuts are actually pretty racist. Yes. When you really dig deep in, you're yeah. like, oh, you think less of them. That's why you have to protect them. And you right. think you should be offended on behalf of them because pick on someone your own side, whatever the hell. That's way more offensive. I yeah. think there's like a spectrum of like of, of tolerance for people. And I feel like you can almost get so far in the spectrum of liberalism that yeah. you're kind of conservative again. Yeah. Oh, completely. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. They're Depends all the same. Like these people who come at me, I'm like, you're Trump. You're yeah. telling me what I can and can't do, and yeah. you're complaining on Twitter. It's, you're just like him. Yeah. The, so you did a show of mine at the Mockingbird about a month ago. It's a downstairs bar under a Mexican restaurant. We had <laughs> JP. You've done 400 shows since then. Yeah. JP Justice was our MC. He's this old school oh, black guy. That was a good show. Yeah. Uh, old school black guy. He sh- he he did a bit. I think he, I don't think you had arrived yet. In between sets, he said to the audience, "On the count of three, I want everyone to shout out." Uh, what kind of food black people like to eat. Mm. And he said, one, two, three, and a woman just screamed, no, no, like protesting, participating uh, in this thing. She said the wrong N-word. She, she, <laughs> she then later uh, emailed us directly, the producers of the show, to say that she was offended ah. by she was offended by the racial overtones of the show. She thought that guy ruined the night. He was black. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. Boy. And... That's the best when people try to dictate to uh, a person of color or like somebody of like a particular religion or how they should feel about their own uh, like yeah, ethnicity racist. or their own religion or whatever. Yeah. Like, well, and actually, what that which makes me think of what yeah. I was going to say before, which is it's been proven that these handful of guys in the comedy scene who've gotten into trouble with uh, sexual assault were sort of positioning themselves as like uh, male feminist. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, like there's a lot of heroes. that. There's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. completely. Yeah, Bill Cosby. Yeah, look, look at that. He's yeah. like always pushing justice and hey, black people pull your pants up, and then he's a fucking rapist. Yeah, sounds like the f- frustrating theme here is hypocrisy in general. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I went to a public school, mixed public school. We all called each other horrible things. And we all got along. Yeah, that's what you do, right? Especially middle school. Yeah, it's better to get it out. Right now, America's in that place where, like, you know when you're dating a girl and you hate a ton of shit and she hates a ton of shit about you, but you're just bottling it up and you're going out to dinner and you're just staring at each other? Yeah. And then you never fuck, Yeah. you know? But if you actually had, like, a blowout fight... You'd get out a lot it, of shit. It would, would clear the air, and it would be a better relationship, and you'd learn some shit, and then you'd fuck. I America was, needs to fuck. I was just talking to my wife about this today that all of my when I have an issue with somebody, I always want to avoid conflict. Me too. And my issue, whether it's it could be anything, it could be with her, it could be with with whoever in my life. I will instead of dealing with it and and working it out, I'll just let it start fucking getting rotten in my head it's like a gas leak in a kitchen yeah, you know yeah. when you leave the stove on the gas is leaking slowly and then finally a spark comes and the whole house blows Ooh, up yeah. because yes. i waited too long it's good uh so yeah i've been thinking about it in terms of that that's what pc uh, we got white supremacists we got people protesting tiki torches it's all just this build up yeah and then we have this fucking blowout we could just be dealing with it as it comes yeah. but you, you go hey this is weird people go whoa whoa you're a bigot yeah you know, i'm just trying to talk about it i used to have a joke in my act where i'd say i asked a black guy at a party this is a true story i said what's up with the no swimming like, you guys can't sw- – what's that stereotype? Yeah. You guys are the best athletes. You can't tread water? I don't get it. And this lady was like, oh, my God, that's so racist, you piece of shit. And uh, she's like, you're ignorant. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm asking the question. That's what, that's what I'm trying to learn. Yeah. This yeah. is progression. This is what it is. 
And uh, the black guy's like, well, we grew up in the inner city. We didn't have a lot of pools or we didn't do this or that, you know. And I was like, great, now I know. Like you had a human conversation where you yes. learned. And, and you know what the key part of that sounds like to me is you fucking listened. You asked a question and then you listened. Yeah. And like nobody's listening anymore. No, no, especially that like, lady. Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you guys saying? There you go. <laughs> there we go. You got to do it. Hey, can I switch gears for just one second? Please. Yes. Uh, angry. So, so, Mark, we get a lot of people that uh, uh, most of our listeners are um, – uh, a lot of comedians in New York that are like five years and less um, that that are just kind of in the open mic scene. Maybe they're maybe they're doing bar shows. Maybe they're passing a couple of clubs, but just still kind of like you know like working hard to try to like yeah. move it up. And then of course Patrick's mom. Um, that's our <laughs> yeah. other she loves, other she loves other dem- demographic. Well, we but, all love uh, Patrick's mom. No, yeah. she's great. Right. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to kind of like go over with you a little bit is you know you're you're somebody that when I think of like the kind of comedian that that you know, you think of different levels that you want to get to, right? And of course, like there's like Louis, who's like the the penultimate sure. in a way. Uh, but also, like in in some ways, like to me, that feels a little bit um, unattainable because I got started like in my 30s, ah. and meanwhile, this guy is you know been doing it his whole life and years. just continually refining, working it, working it. So it's like I don't know how it could ever be that good. But then you look at some other the people that are. I mean, you're certainly. I mean, like you're you're doing comedy. It's your career, and you're you're in a place that I would quantify as successful. I mean, I don't know how you quantify it, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in like the process of like, like where like the journey maybe that you took from like getting into comedy, starting to do comedy in New York. Um, you know, how how did you feel about what you were doing initially? What was what were the things that you did to kind of improve and like and and what are some maybe you know this may be too much to ask all at once, but we're like, what are some of the things? that maybe you could suggest to people that are kind of trying to take that same trajectory. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think the big thing, obviously everybody knows, get up, right every day, get up as much as you can, get up at a Mexican restaurant, get up at a club, do a check spot, do everything, do a road gig, to take every gig. Also, you got to be realistic. You got to internalize. That's what 88% of comics won't do. I saw a lot of comics coming up, do the same act, over and over, and it would bomb every time. And I'd be like, all you have to do is change it. You know this doesn't work, but you still keep doing these mm-hmm. jokes over and over, and you won't twist it, you won't tweak I it. I see that a lot. What is that? Lot. I don't know. I, you got to sit there and go, this isn't working. I suck. I'm not that good. I got to get good. Let me try something else. I and- think I think there's an issue of like sometimes with comics, they're like, on one hand, I should constantly be trying new stuff. Yes. But then on another, another hand, I should have like a consistent yeah. set that I'm doing. I, I agree, yeah. but the consistent set should be consistent because it's working. Right. You know, and I get it. You got to refine and hone, but if it doesn't work four times, it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. And also, I get it that being on stage flusters you, and you just go with the shit you wrote. You know, when somebody gives you a tag, you're like, "Oh, that's good." Then you go on stage, you go, oh, "I didn't say the tag. I forgot it a little bit. I can't think of it." And you just move on. Right. I think there's a little of that too. But after 15 times, if you're just <laughs> saying the same shit, you're either stupid or you're in the wrong business. I've literally yeah. seen some comics start with like, or they have a really pretty nice. Five minute set, like yeah. it, it works mostly, and then I'll see them a year later. They're doing the exact same set, yeah. but the the clarity and everything is just degraded right, over the right. past year until yeah. it's just a pile of shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's air, autopilot bullshit. Yeah. Let me yeah. ask a negative question in this department. Uh, what are a few signs that a person should just quit? Well, that's a toughie because uh, there are some guys in the beginning who I was like, this guy has zero comedic ability. They have he has zero sense of what's funny, and then I saw him years later, and I was like, These, this guy's great. Wow, so interesting. It's, it's okay. rare, but it's out there. Yeah, I think the way you can kind of tell is uh, 
hanging out. You can tell hanging out because on stage anything goes, anything can happen. You never know. Maybe he doesn't know his voice yet, or he's or she's whatever. Yeah. But hanging out, you can see who's a funny guy. Yeah. I think. Like I did a podcast the other day, and I was on it with this person, and she was so. Like it was like mom funny. Like mm. you're like, oh, you are just not. You yeah. got nothing. Mm. And so her, I can. I was like, you'll never be good. And uh, <laughs> like, I could just tell by hanging out. You just reminded me of something I wanted to say and compliment you on. There's so much fucking mystery in this business and so mm. much bullshit, and people don't tell the truth and people don't just say what they're feeling. I've heard you on your podcast, obviously, and tons of other other things where you're so fucking honest about oh. like if you had a bad experience somewhere or you, some, you didn't like something or uh, you'll just like drop these like truth bombs and not in a way that you're trying to hurt anyone's feelings. Right. You're just, and you talk about it, how, you know, the morning radio shows and uh, the different yeah. weird, goofy personalities you guys have had to deal with. Uh, and I'm just surprised by like I, I worked in TV production for years where it's all bullshit and everybody it's always like oh he was so great to work with isn't right, he great right. it's blowing smoke up everybody's ass where do you get the balls to just be honest all the time well I think it's a bit of a like a, a spectrum thing like people always say hey be honest and hey tell the truth and all that but it's so untrue you have to bullshit all day long you gotta yeah. lie but I think part of me is like I'm being I'm doing the right thing on the on the radio. I'm telling the truth. Yeah. So I think it's like a little autismy or something because people tell you to be honest. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And also, I like hearing when people. I'm not going to sit there and go, "This lady was fat and ugly." Yeah. You know, but uh, I'll, I'll if somebody goes, "How was that show?" I'll go, it was terrible. Yeah. yeah. Just because I think that's the right thing to do. That's interesting because I've heard the I've heard the um, the notion that like are you have like maybe three or four people or, or less that are your that maybe are your like core friends yeah. or whatever and then you tell them yeah the show sucked this is why it sucked yeah. but anybody else you're like no it was fucking amazing right yeah. right that's true but yeah fuck it Say, be tell the truth yeah i mean try not to ruin somebody's career but like i was on byron allen's show what's mm-hmm. it called uh comics unleashed yeah. and it's yeah. like a notoriously horrific show yeah and we shit all over it and the producer heard it and like threatened to sue us, mm. so we had to delete it. Mm. But uh, shit, yeah, stuff like that where you're like, well, that was just maybe too far. But yeah, you know, you gotta yeah. you, you gotta keep it real. You know, you you've got a very successful podcast, uh, Tuesdays with Stories, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, the things that you say will actually be heard by people. It's come back <laughs> a lot, yeah. yeah. But you got, I mean, remember listening to, like Patrice and like a younger Bill Burr and Colin Quinn. Those are guys like I was like. This is great radio. These guys are great to listen to because they told the truth. They're, and that's fun. And, and that's essentially. Truth is what's funny, right? The truth is what's funny. And the truth is what really matters. You yeah. know, if we're going to sit here on a podcast and go, hey, you know, ISIS isn't that bad. Yeah. What's the point then? Why right. am I even listening? I'm getting no information. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you got to. I think the truth is. And we all know it. That's the fun thing is everybody knows the truth. Like people gravitate. Like like Joe Rogan's podcast gets like bazillion hits yeah. because it's just a guy in a T-shirt going, no, I, I don't feel that way. That's weird. But yeah. the news is everybody going, how appalling he said, uh, grab her pussy. And then, you know, Rogan's like, yeah, I don't have said shit like that. Yeah. And you're like, like I'm not saying you sh- a, a president should say that. Of course not. But like, of course I've said horrible shit. I said jizz in my asshole, you, you kike. You know, yeah. like I, I'll say that on a Tuesday. I don't right. care. Right. I don't with, hate Jews. With I, stories. I, yeah. <laughs> I don't want jizz in my asshole, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, um, we all say horrible things. Did you, did, you th- did you feel like you were kind of like that maybe honesty helped you from the get-go? Like were you... No, you, I think that hurt me in the beginning. Yeah? yeah. So, so when you first started with comedy, was it was it kind of a slog? To start oh, yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. I was a mess. And not, not only that, I was a drunk. I remember one time I uh, I was a big fan of Hannibal. And uh, you know, I'm from New Orleans. I'm a 
douchebag guy, and uh, we grew up, you know, farting in each other's face and headlocks and stuff like that. And I met Hannibal, and I was drunk, and we were talking, and he went up on stage. They said, Hannibal Burris, and I credit card swiped him, you know, through the up ass the crack. Bu- bu- yeah, crack. that's just how I grew up. I was a idiot kid. Yeah. And he turned around. He's like, you do that to me again, I'll fucking beat your ass. And I, was, I remember being like, what? What's this guy's problem? Yeah. But now I totally get it. I had to learn that over time. Like mm. Amy Schumer took me aside a few times. Like you got to chill out. What are you doing? Uh, Nick DiPaolo almost beat me up once. Really? Uh, Nick yeah. DiPaolo's almost beat up a lot of people once, yeah. though. So in all fairness, that's true. That's what, true. What, what happened with Amy? Where she where she was talking to you? Oh, just saying. I can't even remember. I mean, this is so long ago. But like you know, I'd have a couple pops in me, and you just start start going off about mm. this and that. And she was like, "What? Hey, take it easy. What are you doing? Do you still drink, or do you not drink now? I drink now, but I like." tone it down like yeah. i have like two three beers two three whiskeys i used to like intentionally try to get wasted right like yeah. i was one of those guys like if you're gonna have a beer why not have 30 what's yeah. the point of one beer you know and now i actually like having a beer but uh yeah i really had to tone it down and uh yeah. you know because you, you're like well i should say what i'm thinking that's who you are that's who i am but then i'm like well if everyone did that We'd, we'd be in chaos. Have you seen other guys burn themselves out that way i have i've seen that a lot and i've seen a lot of guys at the cellar get less and less spots for being that guy mm. oh really yeah yeah i mean you still got to get along with everybody so you know as, as much as you say hey i like your honesty you still have to like wait they're drinking or they're just being assholes just being assholes yeah. and you yeah. still got to filter it and you see a lot of guys in this business who are hilarious and girls who are hilarious but they're hard to work with so they're like in obscurity but with hilarious jokes yeah and you're like oh if you were just more fun and then there's guys who are awesome and nice and cool but they're not funny but they're getting work Right. So you got to be right down the middle. Yeah. Does it feel when you go in there on a busy Friday or Saturday night to do your spot? Does it would you does it feel like going to work and seeing coworkers and having to kind of be careful of of not really. There's a little of that like at the cellar, Esty, the booker, she'll hang out on the weekends, like talk to the comics. And there's a little bit of like, all right, you know, the boss is here. Boss is here. Like, take it easy. Don't say cunt 13 times. But it's still you still go down those stairs and it's still a packed room and you get to do your favorite thing in front of a hot crowd at the comedy cellar, the yeah. Mecca. So, uh, yeah, you, that is you, just, that's, you put it aside. Yeah. Uh, you know, that question of, uh, if you were on a desert Island, what's the one CD you would bring? If you were, if you, Ooh. if you were to die and go to heaven, what's the one stage or room that you would be okay with performing in for eternity? Ooh, boy, that's tough. Cause, uh, that's the whole beauty of comedy is the variety. Mm. So yeah, I feel like, even if I could do the cellar every night, it would still get old. Yeah, obviously, which is sucks. That's why marriage is not a good idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess it would be the cellar because you could you get the whole building because you know you get the upstairs, the food's great, and the table and the hang. And yeah, I like sure, the comics we'll give you there. That. Yeah. So I guess I would say that. But I mean, there's a million great clubs out there, and I love a good rock club. I like mm-hmm. a black box. How mm-hmm. much are you on the road versus uh, in the city? I've been on the road every weekend since the year started. Oh my! Wow. God. So that's like I'm talking. I went to China. I went to Australia. I went to uh, England. I went to Ireland. How do you do like comedy in China, for instance? Where... They have a club. <laughs> Some Australian guy opened a club out there. And they all know English, I guess? A lot of them, a lot of expats, a lot of British, a lot of Americans. People are working there. A lot of Chinese students speak fluent English. And they love it. Yeah. And they, they and it, to have a guy come over with like New York chops, they fucking, they can't believe how funny you are. It's yeah. Pretty great. Did you, how many sets did you do there? I was there seven days. I think I did six sets. That's cool. Like that. Yeah. So it was worth the trip. Yeah, I wanted to see China. I knew I'd never go back. A free trip, paid to yeah. go to China. I got to go. And I saw the wall, and the wall blew my mind just like 
That's another thing where you sit there and you go, oh, I can't do this set. There's only four people. These motherfuckers built a wall with no machinery that's hundreds of miles long on a mountain ridge with stone. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, it's interesting to hear you comment uh, about about like culturally how impressed you are by that. Uh, listening to the the, epi- the Tuesdays with Stories episode, which everybody should click over and listen to. It's an epic tale. But you are sharing uh, your feelings about uh, Chinese food, Chinese people yeah. in the airport. It's hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is nice to hear the, the cultural appreciation you have also. Yeah. It sounds very sincere. And uh, Oh, I get yeah. I get the... Uh, and if you listen to my podcast, it's me and this guy, Joe List, who's from like... The backwoods of Massachusetts, basically, like the small town. We love Joe List, and we actually had his wife, Sarah, on this oh. our last episode here. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, she's great. So I just did a show with her last night. She killed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's uh, we're still blown away. Like, I, you know, hanging out with Louie or Amy Schumer, they're just like, yeah, I had dinner with Steve Martin last night, then I blew Paul Simon, then I uh, <laughs> did coke with Prince and his dead body. And you're like, all right, wow, that's amazing. They're like, yeah, it's a, it's a Thursday. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. But Joe List met Bruce Springsteen, and we're, the whole time we're just like, yeah. we're just freaking out we still can't believe it we don't we're not there at all yeah. we don't yeah. have this uh this these egos or this entitlement but yeah. you, but you but you are i mean you're get you're uh, you've you've done a lot of like late night shows yeah. you've had uh i'm i'm I, sorry i don't have like your full uh resume in front of me but you've done a lot of stuff at this point three yeah. three conans right five holy shit yeah. who's counting Five Colons, a Colbert, and a Fallon. Yeah, it's amazing, and they're all great. They're oh, thanks. When man. did that start? When did it was? Was there a certain tipping point for you where you could see like all of a sudden everything started happening? Like yes, that tends to be how it works in this biz. That's what I always tell like young comics: like just focus on that killer ten and get a show, like get a five minute thing, whatever. Like Adam Devine or mm-hmm. Live at God. Oh, that's not even there, but like Access to anything where you can get on TV that helps to get the ball rolling. What it's was that, that first for you? Hump. For me, it was it was John Oliver. He had a show like kind of a like an Adam Devine showcase, like comics yeah. doing five minutes. Then like a Mark Maron would close it, or a guy at that level. And uh, where was this? This was shot at Skirball. This was two thousand twelve. No, Comedy Central. Okay, and I did it. Mike Lawrence did it. Michael Che did it. It was all of our first Adam Newman, all of our first like TV sets. Yeah, and uh, it was just unbelievable. I got it. I remember I told my dad, and he didn't know who John Oliver was or anything, but he's like, "Great!" I think yeah. he hugged me. And uh, I remember where I was when I got the phone call. I, it changed everything. And I had this killer five that was murdering, and I did it, and it killed. And just just getting all the tweets, you know, when you, after you're on TV for the first time, getting all the Facebooks, and it, uh, it's like a rush of, oh, my God, I'm in the business now. And then you get Montreal. Montreal is a big one. Like new just faces. for laughs? Or, yeah. yeah. When you find, it took me five years to get new faces. Finally got that in 2013, and I'd already done a Conan and then I uh, Conan and John Oliver. Then I got Montreal. So it's hard as fuck to get Montreal. Montreal used to be like the first thing, right. like they were the gatekeeper, and now it's TV. Well, I know like at least one person that that was their entry as new faces. Okay. They hadn't done any TV. Well, that's before. what it should be. Yeah. Is it fair to say that uh, you know, like what you're saying? Step one is to get a great TV spot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not anybody's step one. Is it fair to say step one is to just really have yes. great material? That, you're right. Like, you're right. Step one is having other comedians think you're funny. This is the real whole thing. Step one, get to New York, establish yourself, 
Industry's not going to know who you are, so you got to have comics think you're funny because comics run their own shows. So if comics think you're funny, you get that respect, then they'll put you on their shows. Then you start getting better. You get a good couple minutes. Then you get like a club audition. Then you maybe get in a club or two. Now the club thinks you're good and the comics think you're good. So now you have a little more clout. Then eventually maybe a management position will come in and see you, and then you get a manager. Then you can start getting new faces and TV and so on. So how how far along were you like from doing stand up where you started to maybe get in the clubs, maybe get a manager, that kind of thing? Uh, oh boy, I moved here in '07. I probably got a manager in 2009. Uh, so I was. That's really fast. Yeah, it was. It was like a, I got a manager, but he wasn't getting me anything. And then uh, I got. I did some Montreal thing in 2010. I did this thing called uh, like it was some kind of contest. But it got me to Montreal. So now I'm in Montreal. So I'm part of things. It's all about being part of it and getting on all these lists and shit like that. People talk about how that's nothing. But those lists, anything where your name is out there, even if it's like a viral video or a funny caption, like like Janelle James is somebody who writes these Facebook posts. And whether you agree with her or not, they get a million hits and a million views. And that that is a splash as long as you can make a splash. Her and Tim Dillon both on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Did you have something before? Well, I was just curious about like – so some people talk about the whole process, uh, like the, the business process of it. But um, the core of it at, you know, at the end of the day is your writing, right? Yes. Um, and, and I was just curious about your process of that. Like what uh, – because I think one of the hardest things, at least for, for me, I find, is like consistently writing and getting and, – and, and the writing that I do do feeling like I'm getting – like good material out of it because sometimes mm. like, you can write for like a week or two yeah, and it's all garbage. It. It's all part and, of it. Yeah, but like, what's your what's 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 your writing? Is your writing process changed or is it always kind of been the same thing? Or? It's changed a lot. I, when I was uh, starting out, I would write every single day. I worked at a I worked at New York Film Academy and I had an hour for lunch and I would just skip the lunch and go into the attic and write for an hour. I was in this old attic, pacing back and forth, holding a pen, going. Uh, a knife fight. Don't bring a gun to a knife fight. Well, why are you getting knife fights in the first place? I was in the attic saying this shit out loud <laughs> like an idiot. And, and you're holding the pen like a microphone. Yeah, because that's what <laughs> I that's how I thought you wrote. Yeah. And if I thought of a funny line, I would write it down. You know. And then I'd go to a mic and bomb. And then I'd go to like five mics and bomb with it. And then be like, all right, well that joke sucks. And I would do it again. And, and eventually you get five minutes. It took you know forever. But uh, yeah, so I would write every day, and then I moved in with a girl, and we kind of like hated each other because we lived in this tiny apartment. We were poor, so I'd go on the roof and write just to like get away from her. Just I, a roommate, or you guys were together? We lived together, and we yeah. were dating, yeah. and uh, high school sweetheart. The whole thing. So I'd go on the Ooh. roof and write for like two, three hours. Just to, I, I, we had no TV. We were poor. We had nothing going on. So writing was like some form of entertainment. Yeah. And uh, I got a lot of shit out there, and that's when I started like getting better. I think and like forming a joke. And, uh, you know, sometimes you'll write for three hours and you get you, you think you got this gold idea and then one line of some like a bullshit sock joke kills. And you're mm. like, well, I guess that's what I got out of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that happens all the time. And you got to just accept that and keep going. And now I, I'm so lucky to have all these stage the stage time. I have clubs and I'll do a bar show here and there and I'll. I'll just uh, jot down a funny idea and then just try it at the bar show. And I think I've gotten better enough to where I can form it into a joke quicker. You know, like it's more of like a machine press. Back back in the day, I was whittling, you mm. know, and now I just put something in a machine and pull the lever and it it's somewhat of a, an object, but it might not be perfect. Then you go back to the machine and you play with it. So my, my hit rate is higher now, mm-hmm. but it's still obviously, you know, one out of 
six. That's a great metaphor, what you described. Like, because, yeah, I'm still working with, you know, like the caveman hammer where yes. it's like the, the, the rock like mm-hmm. tied to a stick. That's yeah. that's still what I'm working with. I can't wait to get to the machine press. And it'll come, but you uh, got to fail a lot. Failure yeah. is good. Bomb, yeah. bomb, bomb. And try stuff. Try, you yeah. know, you're like, this is a weird idea. This will never work. Try that one. Yeah, yeah. And, but the, I feel for these young guys because I, trust me, I lived it. These open bikes, man, they're so hard because yeah. it's all comics in the audience and you can't hone anything because they heard the premise already. Right. And so that's really the challenge. So if yeah, you can you got get like through five that. people, like the one guy's on his phone, the other guys yeah. are thinking about their Exactly. Set. Yeah. So if you can figure that part out and get past that, you're going to make it. Speaking That's of the which, hardest part. What's cool about watching you and seeing you around is I remember in the summer 2014, you were prepping a Conan set, or maybe fall 2014, I forget. I was at the pit uh, uh-huh. for the 11 p.m. mic on like a Monday. Yeah. You came in with a stack of index cards and worked through your Conan set. Yeah. Just kind of reading the jokes. And it, it, I remember being struck by, wow, it's fucking cool that he came here to work on this. And then seeing it like a week later on TV was oh, like fun. a thrill. Yeah. And then again, recently at, at a, a Laughing Buddha mic at Climate, you came down and worked yeah. on your more recent uh, Conan, the one with the Indian. Uh, oh, the, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Such a great bit. It's just so cool to see you doing what we're all supposed to be doing, which is going to open mics, working yeah. the jokes out, deciding whether they're good. And, uh, oh, dude, I, it, I appreciate that, but I don't get these guys. I mean, the stage is, is a work. You got to see what gets laughs. It's pretty simple. It's black and white. I'll say this, it'll get a laugh. I'll keep it. I'll say this, it'll get a laugh. I'll keep it. But these guys go up and they, they're at an open mic and they're like, look at this guy in the front row. What's his deal? All right. So, uh, what, 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 what's up with this place? This place, it's hot as shit in here. And you're yeah. like, you got six, you got six seconds up there. That's <laughs> yeah. what you're using it for. Yeah. This is, this is work. Go yeah. to work. Yeah. What are you crazy? Uh, it, it blows my mind. I don't get it. And yeah. like stage time is so precious, and you're lucky to be up there. This I wait the whole day for that moment, and this yeah. guy's gonna be like, "Ah, oh, look at the hair on you," or, or they'll, they'll talk about something that just happened in the in the bar room. They're like, "Oh, this bitch didn't serve me. Can you believe that cunt?" I'm like, "Are you ever gonna use this again? Like, what are you crazy?" <laughs> right. I, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm probably totally guilty of that. Like, I I, I don't get it. I mean, no, I, 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 I no, to, like, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. Whatever, I think like, sometimes if 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 you uh, if you've been sucking dick for a while, like you're like, I need a win. You know, oh, and you're not, and you're like, I see, I and you're see. like, I know if I just go in there and I do a little crowd work, right. that I'm gonna get laughs. You I know, get like that. honestly, I get that. it's like it's a little, it, it is, it is stupid because it is a, it's a bit of an ego stroke. You're not right. actually, you're not doing anything that's gonna like carry out in the long term. You're right, totally. But and, and get the ego and then go into the jokes. Yep, maybe yeah, that, yeah. that's one way. But but yeah, if you do the whole set that way, it's kind of yeah, waste. Yeah, that's absolutely. crazy. Yeah, yeah. And also, the win is the joke working. I think right. so. I, I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But and I, I think, totally get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The W is the, the killer bit. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I I remember you. This is creepy that I'm, like, giving specific things that I remember about you. Please. But uh, on Lindsay Goldworth's podcast about money. Yeah, good Spent pod. your episode. When you talk about the economics of jokes and what a joke is worth. Yes. That really motivated me. It's like, yeah, if you have a good joke that gets a big laugh, like... That's money and that's actual physical money because exactly. it will eventually lead to a feature set or your MC set feature or an set album. Has, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, uh, look at look at uh, Hot Pockets or yes, niggers versus black people or whatever. Yeah. These are their big bits. Like uh, a perfect example, especially now current. Jim Jeffries, the gun bit. Yeah. That bit is like, I don't know, 20 million views. And it, yeah. he said it changed his whole career. That's a bit yeah. that he wrote. He sat in his room and wrote that. And now it's like iconic and changed his life. He probably has a house on all coasts of Australia now yeah. because, because of that, that bit. Because of that bit. Exactly. Yeah. And people are hiring him like, like 
the R, uh, what is it, RNA? What is it? No, NRA. They're yeah. like, hey, come to our thing. We'll pay you a million dollars or whatever. That's fucking crazy yeah. that they booked him. That's they weird. They booked him, and then the others, you know, the left is like, anti-gun show, book Jim Jack. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. It's like a hit song. It's wow. like a hit song, you know? Yeah. Right bits. Yeah. That's the key. Well, I'm fired up about writing bits. We're not going to record anymore tonight. We're both going to go home and uh, work on our comedy. You guys write together? Because that's important. We do, actually. If we're, yeah. if we're not recording a podcast, like a lot of times we'll, uh, we'll hang out at the Olive Tree and like write some oh, shit. there you yeah. go. Or yeah. just, yeah, have, a, have our own little private comics table. Yeah. Yeah. But this was great, Mark. Thanks for making time for us tonight. What do you got, like seven sets tonight? I got a few, yeah. I'm at the cellar. I'm at the I'm at State of New York. I'm doing a Jewish show. I'm like a, what do you call it, a temple gig tonight. Wow. Yeah. I'm do you have anything over. that you want to promote coming up in the next month? Yeah. Uh, come see me live. I'm all over the road. Uh, check out my podcast, Tuesdays with Stories, on iTunes. Check out my website, it's marknormancomedy.com. great podcast. And I want to plug... Great website. Thank you. I want to plug... Uh, me and Joe Liss are doing a live podcast, The Fat Black Pussycat, on November 8th, Wednesday, November 8th at 11 p.m. for the New York Comedy Festival. Awesome, man. Mark Norman, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, this guys. I'm uh, Sweet T. Hey, I'm Sweet P. And you've been listening to uh, the Comics Table podcast. Yeah, come see us again next week. All right, bye-bye now.